All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. Action-packed this time uh, with an awesome guest. I'm joined by my companion, my uh, notorious, notorious P-I-Z, Mr. Pizza Mind, Aaron Malone. How we doing, buddy? I'm doing okay, man. Um, But to be honest, this heat wave in Texas is absolutely killing me, man. My cheese is melted all over the place. I can't (laughs) take it anymore. You're a mess diversify. I am a mess. I'm mean, invest in general, but especially now, uh, and I've been looking to diversify my locations as I always am, whether it's Antigua or Brazil or Iceland. Uh, I like to know that I have different places to go if uh, trouble ever hits or if I'm just <laughs> sick of the weather. Uh, I guess you could say I'm a little fickle. Uh, I don't know. But well, I've got my place in San Diego, but Bryce, would you recommend any other places to go? If, uh, you know, being a digital nomad like I am, where's the next place I should set up shop? Well, you know, uh, I got a good buddy that moved to Reno recently. Uh, and I Reno. also uh, I also just recently was introduced to the mayor of Reno, who is joining us today on the Crypto 101 podcast, Hillary Sheevy, uh, the mayor of Reno. Welcome to the show. Hi, you guys. Thank you for having me. We are very excited. Uh, you are uh, our very first uh, politician and that's on the show, but I know you don't like being called a politician. Uh, you're more of an entrepreneur and you're actually turning uh, Reno into kind of like this tech magnate. It is crypto centric. Uh, and we're going to dive into your whole story. I think it's a fascinating one. Uh, I, and, and, but, but Hillary, first off, uh, to welcome to the show. <laughs> Well, hi, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And Aaron, we would love to have you anytime. Have you been to Reno? I have been to Reno. And this was maybe 
you know, five, six, seven years ago. And I loved it then. I thought it was really cool. It had, I think it's called like America's biggest little small town or something like that. Yeah, it, And I, I really got little, that vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's the biggest little city. I, you got to come check it out. I think you'll like what we've done with the place. Well, tell <laughs> us what have you done with the place? <laughs> Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I have to admit this, and um, <laughs> this, so you'll you'll probably understand. I was born and raised in Reno, and sort of growing up, as you know, it didn't probably have the best reputation. And so people would say, "Where are you from?" And I would say, "Lake Tahoe." <laughs> and so it was just kind of you know that interesting dynamic, and it's kind of strange how I sort of fell into politics and prices, right? I, I was just telling him I'm not a traditional politician at all in any sense. So there are some days I'm like, wow, it's so hard to believe that I'm the mayor. But so much of it came about, you know, for my passion to sort of change the place that I was born and raised in. And so, um, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur by trade. It's really what I love to do. I was opening up a, a business and the city wanted to charge me about $5,000 to move a sign two feet. And I, I just I couldn't believe how we made it so difficult in government with all this red tape that sort of follows along. Right. So instead of complaining about it, I thought, you know what, I'm going to run for office and I'm going to change it. Now, I didn't run for mayor, obviously, I ran for city council. But that's sort of, you know, my my story in a nutshell. And I just became so passionate about our city and so much, you know, people think of Reno is like this tired gaming town. And I really wanted to get in there and bring a vibrancy to a city that we hadn't seen in a very long time with arts and culture and food movements and just all these great things that we have right here in Reno, also in our backyard. Obviously, Lake Tahoe is breathtaking, but we have Burning Man. I don't know how many of your listeners have been to Burning Man, but you know things like these incredible assets that cities need to really play upon and embrace You know to really diversify their economies and, and so forth. So I'm just, you know, I'm really fortunate to be in a position where I can really make a change in a city that I think, you know, had a pretty dark reputation for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And you've also been a crypto investor for five years. And so I think, uh, you know, people are probably pretty curious. They're like, well, Bryce, this is a crypto podcast. We've had hedge fund managers on here. We've had CEOs of exchanges. We've had, you know, anonymous developers who are creating their own cryptocurrencies. And now, a po not a politician, but, we're, you know, uh, I, I hate to say that because it, on the on the show, we're, we're always, you know, kind of, you know, uh, libertarian in, the, in a sense and independent. But Anti-establishment. <laughs> well, I, I am, but full disclosure, I am an independent. I am not a D or an R. There, there we I go. I believe that politics are black and white. So, so we're all in the same space. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, 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 and so tell us about your story. Tell us about why you became a crypto investor. I think, you know, a lot of people are curious, like, well, you know, why? Well, I think because I'm very entrepreneurial. And so whenever I first got into office, we started to do these sort of startup weekends. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but it's where you create a business within 48 hours. And so it's, you know, something that I'm really passionate about building our entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Reno. And it was probably about, I would say about seven years ago that there was a guy that came in with this incredible sort of business plan with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And I thought to myself, wow, this could really probably transform, you know, our local economies eventually. But obviously it was so incredibly new. And even still, you guys know 
the space today. People are still trying to figure it out and learn about it. And, and so it, it's, it's sometimes really hard for people to wrap their head around, but it was something I started to think about. And I thought, you know, this is something that's going to really change the way that we, we work and, you know, our daily lives in so many ways and just the capacity of technology in general, right? And so it's something that I had sort of kept my eye on and studied over the years. And then finally, um, you know, I jumped on Binance <laughs> and it was that was kind of an experience in itself whenever your first time on Binance, right? So, um, and then I just started buying projects that I really believed in. You know, I'm definitely not sort of a Dogecoin type of investor. I'm at that, you know, I, I don't follow the hype. Um, typically in, in that space, you know, I always say it's a lot like stocks, you know, buy good companies and hold, I say with crypto, buy good projects and hold. So how would you grade a good project from your vantage point there as someone who's building a city, there's so many improvements in infrastructure that blockchain offers. What really excites you about the crypto space today? Well, I think because government, to be honest with you, is so antiquated when it comes to technology. I really see that if we start to embrace blockchain technology, we can make some advancements that we are so far behind. I'm mean, certainly, I think, from smart contracts to creating our own Reno DAO. And it's something that um, I've created a blockchain board. And so the chair and I, um, Teddy Clapp, who's, you know, he's incredibly brilliant, this, you know, young guy up at the university, we started talking about creating our own economy with the Reno DAO. And so if you really think about it, it really can give you back the power in your own community and on so many levels. And especially, like I said, with smart contracts and the way that government has just become so antiquated. But um, I think it really will revolutionize the way that we do business, not just in government, but all across, you know, every sector. I, be I believe that I'm, like I said, I'm an entrepreneur and I also have two other businesses. And one of them is a resale business for high-end brands like, you know, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, things like that. And what I found was so fascinating as I started to study crypto was that we were starting to see a lot of knockoffs in the space, a lot of fakes in the space. And so I started to think, wow, if we could identify, you know, these high-end brands that they are actually, you know, legitimate and they're authentic through cryptocurrency, that would be a game changer. And that's exactly what's happening today in the space to be able to make sure because of blockchain technology that we will change and revolutionize, you know, sort of how we buy um, exclusive brands. So we will be able to identify that they're, that they're truly genuine and authentic just by blockchain technology. So that's another reason why I got really into it. And obviously, if, if I'm sure many of your listeners are business owners, I would love nothing more than one day to not ever pay a credit card fee, right? right? So decentralizing, obviously, I think for entrepreneurs is incredibly exciting. So there's a lot of different areas. And then another thing that we're doing in, in my city, I'm a huge arts and, and culture fan. And we have, um, we have this incredible piece of art. It's called the Space Whale. And it was created out at Burning Man. You guys can Google it. It's super cool. It's pretty, pretty amazing. But it's also, you know, in sort of dilapidated state. And um, cities also struggle with revenue, right? And so how do we generate 
revenue into our city. So one of the things I'm looking at is sort of saving the space whale, creating an NFT for the space whale. So we would be the first municipality to create um, an NFT in the art space. And we've, we've been working on that and having a lot of conversations with Tezos um, to be able to, you know, come up with a way in which we can obviously continue to grow our arts and culture movement. That sounds awesome. And, and so kind of just like on the space whale. So for, for listeners, uh, an NFT is like a non-fungible token. So it kind of would represent somebody's ownership rights in, you know, a piece of art. And so is that in your mind, is that kind of a way to, to crowd raise or crowd fundraise some money and then people in return for maybe donating to uh, save the space whale, they get kind of like a unique one of a kind uh, certificate that is actually yes. tradable too. Has a yes, value. absolutely. Bryce, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly sort of the vision behind it. And I think it's really cool because anyone can then own this piece of art where before that really wasn't a reality. And it goes so much, so much, so much further than that, because this is just one idea, right? Art. But guess what? What if you start to have NFTs for the public library, right? Or exactly. fundraise for a new city hall improvement and all of these things. Then you start to realize it's like people have a sense. It's whatever the, the complete ownership of a city uh, by the, the constituents in, in a sense. And they have like that direct economic incentive through through owning the NFT. I think that is truly going to be a huge part of, of future municipalities like NFTs as a, kind of a source of fundraising. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked about it even with land, right? A developer comes in, purchases land, and actually it's really owned by, you know, its own community. So it's really, honestly, bringing back the power, you know, at this sort of local level, bringing it right back to, to the people, which we've talked about so much when it comes to cryptocurrency. Yeah. And, and get this, there's a, uh, there's a, a project, full disclosure, you know, I, I've got some long exposure to this project, but it's called Centrifuge. And what it does is it basically uh, issues loans or allows people to issue loans against, so, you know, you know, like uh, these sort of uh, real world assets, whether it's accounts receivables or whether it's, um, you know, um, you know, money markets or real estate, right? So to get loans against it. And so it's bridging real world assets into mm -hmm. like DeFi, right? Yeah. And so have you, I mean, have you been kind of dipping your toes into this DeFi world at all? Oh, absolutely. But I have to tell you, it hasn't been easy, especially being in government, right? right? Because again, it's so antiquated and I think it's very stale. Sort of government's so used to doing the doing everything the same way that they've been doing it for so long. So I have to tell you, whenever I sort of start to talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency, people look at me a little bit like I'm crazy, right? And so part of really what I'm trying to do is also educate all the people around me so they can see the, the benefits and what this sort of innovated, you know, innovation looks like. Um, so there is still a lot of learning to do and you really have to kind of go out there and educate people on the, the importance. But it, I think, Bryce, that is going to become so um, typical in the space you know, right today, it seems like, wow, you know, it's it's so forward thinking. But I think that is going to just be sort of the norm. I mean, we're starting to see other banks even look at things like that so that they can be competitive. Right. But 
I, I, it just really is something that will change the way that the world, we see the world on so many different levels. And like you said, decentralizing is going to be phenomenal on so many levels. Let me tell you about an investment opportunity that has nothing to do with crypto. And, And yes, this is a crypto show, but even I know the importance of diversifying. So there's one asset class that you've probably never considered. You know, it's been a favorite of billionaires from Rockefeller to Bezos. And thanks to a recently enacted law, everyday investors can finally have access to it. And I'm talking about masterpiece paintings uh, from household names like Banksy and Warhol. I mean, these works consistently sell for tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars. But one startup came up with a giant solution. So what if you took something that used to only be available for a select few, and you made it available to everyone. And you don't have to be a hedge fund guru to see the opportunity here. They let you invest in a fraction of multi-million dollar works instead of needing to buy the whole thing. So now you can invest in one of the top performing alternative assets in history without breaking the bank. And the best part, we've partnered with Masterworks to let you skip their crazy long wait list. So just head to our exclusive link at masterworks.io slash crypto 101. So that's masterworks.io slash crypto 101 in order to learn how to diversify into blue chip art today. And guys, it's really important that you see some important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. And that is also in the show notes. So be sure you check out that disclaimer before popping over there. I think the people who have the most to lose right now for the crypto environment or for the crypto market. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like the, the, the people are the incumbents, right? The, the banks have a lot to lose and governments kind of have a lot to lose. Like in a sense, like money is a source of power and control for the issuer um, and for the person who kind of is holding it. Um, yeah. it it's it's, it's um, kind of you're beholden to the issuer. And so in a sense, do you think banks are going to be going down easy? Do you, or do you think they're going to try and conform uh, crypto and Bitcoin to their world? I definitely think they're trying to sort of figure it out. Um, There's obviously, we all know this, they're very far behind, but they're trying to figure out where they work in this environment. And again, you have to really understand it. And I'm not seeing a lot of people that I thought were incredible visionaries, right? That are understanding 
you know, the possibility. I think they're still trying to play catch up and trying to figure out where do we fit into this world? Because I think in so many ways, we kind of look at banking as like, you know, it, it, it can be, I think, in so many ways, corrupt, right? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think they're trying to understand the space, figure out where they belong. And quite honestly, I think they'll be left very far behind. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the whole point of crypto is to leave these old institutions behind. There might not be a place for them other than consulting. And if they don't understand it, they're out. But I mean, no one would have ever expected that a Sears or a JCPenney's would eventually be replaced and get right. that to happen. But that's okay. Right. I mean, but up till now, crypto has been a bottom up movement from the roots, but an influential voice from the top down, I feel is the next step of uh, adoption, really. It's, you know, someone in your position, you're making a friendly landscape for crypto companies to move to, putting out educational incentives to the local business community saying, here's how you can accept crypto, here's how you can custody it, and make it very, very simple. Um, you know, companies like AMP that are already built into the POS systems they already use, the, a flick of a switch, you can accept any crypto, any currency, and it's, it's converted right there. You can store it however you want. It basically takes like a one-page mailer to enable the entire city to accept crypto. But as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of people that say they might look at you like you're crazy or they're not, <laughs> they don't fully understand how it fits in everything. What would it take to convince your city council or any other people to back these kinds of initiatives? Well, that's why, you know, I really wanted to start with the NFT of the space whale, because I think so many people can identify with great artwork and it's it's a phenomenal piece it's very very large in scale and it's got all these stained glass you know pieces through throughout it's and art and so, is non-threatening as well right, right. No, it's not well and i thought how funny you know a whale <laughs> <laughs> a whale right um but i think it's something i wanted to really sort of start with something people could identify with and had you know, sort of this connection with. And I think that's how you really start to educate people, find something that they can connect with. Because if you're trying to connect them with something you connect with, that doesn't typically work well. So that's why I went with, you know, the space whale and this NFT project. And yes, of course, people are going to be skeptical and they've written articles, oh, you know, she's crazy, whatever. And that's totally fine. And again, you know, politicians hate to take risks. And I just feel like if you stop taking risks, that's whenever you fail. But my goal is to raise money through this NFT to save this whale. And if it does work and we have the results that I think we are going to have, then I think you can change hearts and minds. And I do think it's important that you do something tangible so that you can show them because that's the hard part about blockchain. People kept saying, wait, I don't understand how this works. And I don't understand this cryptocurrency. It seems like dark money. You know, I hear all this, you know, ideas of, of what cryptocurrency is. And we all know that it really isn't. And if they could just see something that is really tangible, then I think, again, it really changes how someone views the space. And I think that's sort of the role that I'm trying to play is first, obviously, to educate, but also keep a very open door for people in my local city that are passionate about blockchain and about cryptocurrency, because it's those people who will bring great projects to the city and we want to be able to implement those. And so 
I'm not a developer, obviously, but what I can do is I can continue to foster an ecosystem with blockchain and cryptocurrency so that it becomes a space in my city. And it's created by the people who live here, which I think, again, is giving back the power. So I think we've all been kind of waiting for like smart cities to pop up in the U.S. We know there's thousands already being built in China and Africa. And we've heard some rumblings around here, but nothing's really happened. When I think of a right. smart city, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, the traffic lights all being synced and, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But at a very, very base layer, it could simply just be transparency in where your taxes are going or getting to vote where your tax money goes to or what government yeah. is spending on. Or, you know, it'd be awesome if as a government vehicles driving around, you, you know, you've got this AR camera and it identifies a pothole and then everyone can come in and quickly vote and put some money in to come fix it. Right. Have the tools been built to even enable an environment like that yet in a city like Reno or what's missing? Yeah. No, that you know what? Honestly, there are a lot of people working in that space that have reached out to me because they know that I am, you know, a big blockchain enthusiast. So I, I'm seeing a lot of those types of projects, right? Now, so many of them are new. So we we will see sort of what can sort of have sustainability and what can surface. One of the things that we're just, we just create a partnership with a company called Ledger and we're going to be monitoring our power usage in real time. And they're going to be using blockchain technology, you know, as part of this. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see is everything start to become in real time. So we can be so much more nimble and make these sort of decisions. And going back to your point, Aaron, you know, how great is that to give the power back to the people in the sense of like, you're talking about voting. What if we have projects that come into the city that they can all vote on because of this technology? And it's very, very possible. It's starting to happen, but you just need a few people out there that are willing to try it. Again, like I said, politicians typically don't like to take risks. And so what if you fail? I think fail is part of the, the success process, you know, the more you fail, the more success I think you you will breed. It's just sort of the way in which it, in which that works. We are starting to see a lot of projects do it, but it also, you know, with startups, it, there comes sort of growing pains. So you you just, you know, you help grow that environment and, and um, it can really be a game changer, I do think, in cities for, on so many levels. Kind of on that same note along... You know, you, you mentioned voting, you know, you're, you're, again, the only elected official that we've had on the podcast, I think. Um, and so I'm curious about blockchain based voting systems. Is this something that you've heard of that you're interested in? Do you think there's a viability for this sort of system? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There is a city, it might be in Dubai, I can't think of it, but um, I was reading about a city that is doing this. So it's definitely on the horizon. And maybe, you know, let's hope that using blockchain technology sort of takes out that rhetoric that we've heard about voting in the sense of it be being, um, I guess, you know, right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I do think that that could very well be a possibility. Again, we kind of have a long way to go until people start to understand and embrace really what the possibilities are. But I hope that people understand this is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to transform the way that we live. 
Yeah, one one of the other really cool like imaginations of where blockchain could go. I always think about like, you know, taxes, right? Like taxes are sometimes like you feel like a black hole. You write a check and your state taxes, your federal taxes, everything you're just like where did the money go? Like the streets are still broken, this shit's still broken, like where'd the money go? And so what I think is cool like theoretically about like a blockchain system is like you could send your money every year to a, you know, to the IRS's, you know, Ethereum address. And you could see dollar for dollar, uh, you know, which uh, other sorts of initiatives they're allocating your tax dollars to. And then you could vote on exactly where you want your money directed towards. And I don't know if, you know, have you heard of an idea like this before? Oh, no, absolutely. Again, that's why we keep talking about bringing the power back to the people, because by their voice and their voting, we will be able to, you know, shape their city as they want to see it. And I think that that's exactly what cities need to start looking at, shaping their city as the people want to see it, not as the politicians want to see it. And that's exactly how you can do it. And also, you know, and and the definitive proof, right, is right there. That's what's so great about blockchain technology is the, is the definitive truth. One question I had non-crypto related before uh, we close out that I wanted to get in is, you know, obviously you're a forward thinking leader, you're an entrepreneur, you don't fall to the right or to the left. It's just, you're a woman of the people. How do we get more officials like you in positions of power? What was your secret on the campaign trail that got you to where you are today? Well, I honestly, I think it's trying to inspire other sort of entrepreneurs, innovators, people that aren't typically politicians. Um, we're starting to see more more people get into the space, which is is great that aren't you know traditional politicians. And I think that's really what it's going to take. When I meet with entrepreneurs all the time, I'm like, oh, you got to run for office. But remember, entrepreneurs are very, very busy. And especially if you're in the startup world, right? Like the last thing they want to be thinking about is, oh, I you know, want to go become a politician, right? So, and in some ways, I think people are like, hey, that's why we elected you to do it. So you go figure it out. But I think it's really about finding the things that you're passionate about because, and, and like we were talking earlier, it, once you do that, it's not like work, right? That's the biggest thing in life. If you want to be in a space, love what you do, because it never feels like work. And so you have to be incredibly passionate, but you also have to, you also have to have a little bit of thick skin to be in politics. It's, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been a really, really challenging year, obviously being in a pandemic and a lot of cities uh, experienced unrest. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's challenging, but again, you know, if you love where you live and you want to give back, especially on the local level, because we can make so much change at the local level. It's really where things happen the most and where we can affect your lives the most. You know, it's funny, people are always paying attention to the federal government, this and that, what are they doing? But quite honestly, if you think about it, your local level is actually where it can affect your life the most. So I would say, you know, I, I think Aaron, that's such a great question. And here's what I would say, you don't have to run for office to change it. What I would tell your listeners is that, reach out to your mayors, your elected officials and say, Hey, uh, you know, I met Mayor Shivi. You can say that. Um, She told me to reach out to you and, you know, run some ideas by you. And also, you know, talk about how, what 
blockchain technology and cryptocurrency can do for your city? Because I know you have listeners out there, right? And here's what I would say is those elected leaders, the ones that are there for the right reasons, they will partner with you and they will build relationships with you so that they can make a difference in their own cities because the best ones know they're, you know, they, they're not the smartest one in the room, right? They want to partner with other people who are experts in, in other subjects or have better ideas that they do. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And I think it can really pay off. And that's really what I did is just sort of surrounded myself with this blockchain ecosystem in my own local city. And so again, to your listeners, I would say reach out to your mayors and your other elected leaders, just email them. That's what a lot of people did with me. They just emailed me and said, hey, Mayor Shavy, I have this great idea. And we started to collaborate. And that's how you can change things without running for office. That's epic. Um, so one of the questions that we always like to ask somebody uh, before they leave the, uh, the podcast is just if this is somebody's first time listening uh, to a crypto-related podcast, what is one thing that you would want them to know? I would say, you know, this is honestly the long game. I really believe, you know, buy good projects and hold. Like I said, it's a lot like, you know, the stock market to me. This isn't something that you jump in and out of and sort of day trade. I, I don't look at it like that. I think that you have to understand this is going to revolutionize the way that we do business. It's going to revolutionize technology. It's going to revolutionize the way that we think. And so in in order to really understand and get the most benefits out of cryptocurrency and and this type of technology, it's the long game. You, You know, I just think that that can be incredibly disastrous if you're jumping in and out or you're, you're following sort of the hype like we've seen with Robinhood or with Dogecoin or things like that, you have to be very, very careful about that kind of thing. And especially now more than ever, because people are so connected to social media, be very careful about sort of what you're reading out there. Go to sort of, you know, those areas of which you can identify that they're legitimate sources of content like yours, like Crypto 101. You know, you guys have a great reputation and, and it's a great source of content. And, and so, and it's great education. So I would say that be very careful about, you know, because you guys know the space moves up and down so quickly, but again, this is going to be, um, you know, the long game. Yeah. Very well said. And who are some of those companies that you would, if you wanted to throw them out there, you think are going to be really good long-term choices or even market segments, Mm -hmm. what should people pay attention to instead of Doge? Quite honestly, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Link. You know, I, I, I love my Link Marines. <laughs> I think Sergey is, it's, inc- it's incredible. Like, you know, it just seems like every day I'm reading about new projects and all the things that they're doing in the space. And so for me, you know, I, I love Link. I just, I'm so impressed with, you know, what they've been able to achieve. So Um, And, you know, then, you know, I like Tezos and things like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think, again, you know, different projects are doing different things, but also research them and really kind of look into, you know, what it is that they're trying to create and build. I would say if anyone's ever, you know, heard Sergey speak or, or, you know, been to a conference where you've heard him, he's incredibly entrepreneurial. He's very, very humble. He's very kind, impressive, impressive. And I think, you know, those people at the heads of, 
of those types of projects are, you know, what you should really sort of listen to, you know, who's, who's sort of leading those projects. I think that also makes a big difference. Who is behind those projects, right? And, and do your research. I would say that's important too. Definitely educate yourself and do your research. Fantastic notes to leave on. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Hillary Sheevy, for coming on the show. Uh, do, are, do, are you on Twitter, by the way? Do people, are you, I am. What's I your am. handle? <laughs> I'm at Mayor Sheevy. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everybody, go follow Mayor Sheevy. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on the podcast again one time uh, with some more updates about the city of Reno. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much. And thanks for killing it in the space. <laughs> Honestly, bet. educating and, and, you know, really talking to, you know, so many people and what you're doing, you're, you're changing it. And it's great. So really appreciate you. And Aaron, get up to Thank Reno. <laughs> I will definitely let you know next time I'm there. I definitely am going to stay in Tezos town. <laughs> okay. Very, very much so. Good job. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.